a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Ladies and gentlemen, what is up? Coming to you from the Cosa Nostra studios, I'm Matty Buller, and thank you for tuning in to Almost Wise Guys, episode 13. This is our look at the upcoming week 13 games across the NFL, and this episode is better than bad. It's good. We've got our regular weekly picks, and we'll hear from the commission, the president as well. But first, with me as always from Almost Wise Guys Central is Andy, the prognosticator, Attridge. Hey, Matty, how's it going? Good, buddy. How are you doing? Pretty good. Pretty good. Good week last week, eh? Yeah, we uh, we you know we started strong on Thanksgiving Day, going three and zero there. We finished the week at uh, ten and six, which I consider fairly respectable. Um, and I'll tell you why because <laughs> we're not the type of guys to go on the favorites too often. Um, but that was obviously a big week for the favorites. In fact, according to ESPN stats and information. Let me get this right here. Favorites have dominated in November overall, going 37, 15, and 4 against the spread. It's the best month for favorites against the spread in the Super Bowl era. Not the best time to be a wise guy. A wise guy, huh? But we weathered the storm all right. Who knows what the month of December will bring us? Maybe the same old situation. It's the same old, same old situation. I know one thing for sure. There will be a showdown this Sunday in the Windy City between your Bears and my 49ers. Not exactly the matchup of the days of yore, but meaningful for us. And we will discuss this later in the show, perhaps having a little wager on it. So let's begin with the news of the week. The Flat Earth Society International Conference took place this past month in Raleigh, North Carolina. Flat Earthers believe that the Earth is frisbee-shaped, hovering motionless in space, and the North Pole is the center and Antarctica is the outer ring, which is what keeps you from falling off. Well, it does beg the question, if the Earth was truly flat, would that mean that Jay Cutler would throw fewer interceptions? Well, as a Bears fan, I can tell you that, no, he would find a way. He would find a way. That makes sense. Another story that came up this week was about Matt Lauer, who was let go by NBC over allegations of sexual misconduct, which right now would make him about the 50th guy in the past month to suffer such a fate. Yeah, check that man for a fever as well. He's obviously non-copus mentis if he thinks the sight of Meredith Vieira bending over is a good thing. Keep bending over like that. It's a nice view. I'm thinking that since the NFL is such a safe haven for this type of conduct, you could start a brand new expansion team next year with these guys. Think about it. Al Franken sort of sounds like Fran Tarkenton, both from Minnesota. There's your quarterback. Backed up by a guy previously mentioned, Matt Lauer. Got George Reggie Bush Sr. running the ball. Nick Double C Carter at wideout. And with a last name like Moore, Roy could be on the opposite side of the field drawing double coverage. And then, of course, you could simply have Ray Rice, James Hardy, Jameis Winston, Ray McDonald, Adam Pacman Jones, Richie Incognito, and Terrell Suggs filling in the rest of the roster. Well, you forgot about Bill Cosby. I imagine he could be the team trainer. Rumor is he's really good with his fingers. Spanish fly was the thing that all boys 
uh, at, from age 11 on up to death, <laughs> we will still be searching for Spanish flowers. <laughs> That's right. And 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 what was the old the old story was if you, you took a little in. drop, no, it was on the head of a pin. pin. That's right. And Drop you it put in, it in a Coca-Cola. Don't Cut. matter. It doesn't make it. And the girl would drink it. And, and she's yours. Hello, America. <laughs> well, at least with Pac-Man there, they'd have a great time off the field making it rain at the strip clubs. Roger said he didn't want me in the script club. I was like, well, I don't think they're wrong with going to the script club. It ain't no sin to go to the script club. You know, I was just being rebellious. Let's fire it up with our weekly picks. So the Thursday game is uh, now in the books. Obviously, the Dallas Cowboys won. And guess who picked the Dallas Cowboys, Maddie? Your money dog, Woody. Without Zeke. So no Zeke, Zeke. No Sean Lee. No problem for Woody. No problem for Woody. He uh, he won against the public, which is obviously a good thing to do. Um, I think almost 80% of the tickets had Washington on them for last night's game. But uh, being the contrarian that he is, Woody went uh, with a home team dog and came out a winner. So good for him. Now, there's a, the next game on the docket that we're going to talk about are the Minnesota Vikings at Atlanta. And Atlanta's at home, uh, favored by three points. When I first looked at the line... It just kind of screamed disrespect for the Vikings. Well, that's the story of my life. No respect. No respect. No respect at all. You kidding me? I was drowning. I was yelling, help, help. And the lifeguard ran over. So they're like, buddy, keep it down. Keep it down. I got no respect from anyone. They've covered in their past five straight games. The betting public doesn't know a good thing when they see it. These lines are set as a result of the Vikings being undervalued. I know that Atlanta has been playing much better. Getting the ball to Julio is probably a good idea. And now Freeman's back in the lineup. But Minnie's defense has the ability to shut him down. Um, as long as the Vikings are in a dome somewhere, I don't think they should be a dog, which is exactly why they need this win to get home field in the playoffs. Even though they have a big division lead, I think their sights are set a little bit higher. Uh, interesting stat that I came across this week. Minnesota is 22-6 and six against the spread in their last 28 games playing inside a dome. Man, that is a huge stat because I really do want to take Atlanta at home. Matt Ryan plays stellar at home, and while well, the whole team does, really, they've got a fantastic home record. Uh, but you're right, Minnesota's defense is the one defense in the league that I think has a chance to shut them down. And yep. uh, I think this is uh, what you'd maybe call a trap game for Atlanta, where you think you're a little better than you are, and uh, you go into that game and end up losing. So I'm with you, but I think Minnesota ekes this one out. Well, this, it's, this is certainly not a fade against Atlanta, because as I said, they, they're playing quite well. But Yeah, definitely um, not. So you're is picking Minnesota. between two awesome teams. Yeah, this is going to be this is going to be a great game to watch, and yeah, I think uh, I think what we'll be looking for is to see how well Minnesota's defense plays. But anyway, that's the uh, that's the official pick. Well, how about uh, the New England Chowda Heads at uh, the Buffalo Bills? Bills nine point underdogs at home. Yeah, I mean, you hate to bet against a home team catching nine points with a good running game and a decent defense, but it is the Bill and Tom show, and I. Don't quote me on this. I think they're 9-2 and two against the spread in their last 11 playing in Buffalo. 
Uh, bottom line is Brady is totally on this organization. Joe owns the Chiefs. Owns. 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 Now, Buffalo, who has six wins, still has a chance at making the playoffs. And if you look ahead of their schedule, they get to play Miami twice and the Colts once. And right now, we mentioned about uh, a lot of the public money being on Washington last night. Uh, but right now, over 90% of the tickets are in New England for this one, which would explain why the line has been creeping up all week. Uh, this, To me right now, I, I, there's just too many points. I don't see this coming back down anywhere close to a touchdown again. So I'm going to be taking uh, the home team dog and the Buffalo Bills. Uh, it's an interesting pick, my friend, because once again, you, you look at a team like New England, they have just owned the Bills. You're absolutely right. Um, the Bills have been playing much better, but they're shaky at quarterback. Um, they're shaky with their confidence. I'm going to go the other way on you, but, I mean, it's a tough pick, especially at nine points. What did it open up at seven? Seven and a half was yeah. the first line that I saw. That was that uh, would have been a much better shot for New England, I agree. Oh, I think so. But, I mean, you mentioned confidence. I think uh, the benching of Tyrod Taylor absolutely galvanized that locker room. Um, they came out, and yeah, we already know that Kansas City sort of sucks now, but um, they played a very inspired game at Arrowhead last week, and I think that was a result of the team just kind of rallying around, circling the wagons, if you will, uh, around Tyrod Taylor. So I think that is going to continue this week. As I say, they've still got a decent shot of making the wild card, and uh, I think they're going to keep this one close. The only thing I don't like is Tyrod's ability to come back when they're losing he, he's, he's not that guy that's going to rifle it down the field but at the same time he's also that guy that protects the ball very well he's not going to turn it over yeah, it doesn't give so, it up a lot it doesn't give it up a lot so if they can get up early with um you know a good running game or perhaps uh, special teams or a big uh, defensive play um i think they're, they're going to continue to keep that one close it's 106 miles to chicago we got a full tank of gas half a pack of cigarettes it's dark and we're wearing sunglasses Okay, this is the game, well, Andy and I have been waiting for, although the game hasn't really been good since 88 or 89. It's uh, no. the San Francisco 49ers taking on the Chicago Bears at Soldier Field, and the Bears three-point favorites this week at home. Yeah, well, I'm going to be taking San Fran here, and, and not because they're my team. Well, partly because they're my team, and, and, and Maddie's team sucks, so there's that. Um, but I just think that the uh, there's a lot of line value in this one. Um, obviously with Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, James R. Garoppolo entering the lineup, this can provide a, a big spark for them. He came in the last, uh, last part of the fourth quarter due to CJ's, uh, injury and completed two for two. And that included a touchdown pass into, I, if as I recall correctly, triple coverage. So he looked very sharp, but the man is a professional Mitch Trubisky last week had a QBR of 0 0.5, and that's out of 100. And that's the worst one that uh, has been registered, I think, since 2006. So not um, not a very good recipe for winning. And that basically, if, if you're not aware, 
what that is, it's, it's a statistic created by ESPN, and it measures the performance of quarterbacks by incorporating the quarterback's contributions to winning. So it includes how he impacts the game on passes and rushes and turnovers and penalties. But um, I think there's going to be a talent discrepancy uh, between Jimmy G and Mitch T. So let's see. Let's look into the numbers. The Bears in the last three seasons have been favorites at home five times. And the reason why last three seasons are um, why we go back that far is because that's how long John Fox has been there. So five starts at home as favorites, 0-5 against the spread. And in fact, since John Fox has been there, they've been favored six times and are 0-6 against the spread overall. So uh, those stats uh, don't look too good for them, but that's where we stand. Well, I want to get back to this Mitch Trubisky thing. Because this is this absolutely pisses me off, and it's and I'm gonna go off on it. Because sometimes I think coaches in the NFL couldn't spell cat if you fucking gave them the C and the A. You know, I see it's happening so often. A team gets a rookie quarterback, they they draft him high, you know, but they restrict his play with timing passes under like ten yards and screen plays. I don't think the Bears have attempted a pass, you know. Over ten yards, maybe definitely not like over fifteen. Oh, they're pun- they're punter did in week four. Remember that? Well, yeah, but your punter shouldn't be throwing your <laughs> fucking longest pass of the year. You've got to take shots downfield against a pro defense. It keeps the secondary honest and keeps yeah. the linebackers honest as well. I mean, if you don't, they'll just sit in the box, eat you alive on the ground and the air. Like you, well, go it's off, easy you to drafted just, this fuck. What's that? I said it's easy. You throw eight guys in the box and. Uh, it becomes one-dimensional. Exactly. You know, if you draft this kid, he obviously made passes longer than 10 yards in college or you wouldn't have picked him. So take off the fucking training wheels and let the kid <laughs> do what you hired him to do. Because, I mean, if a defense, all they got to do is sit on short passes and runs. I Like, to me, it's amazing Jordan Howard has been banging up, like, over 100-yard games. With all those guys in the box, he should be, you know, 20 yards and out. But uh, that being said... Uh, with the Bears' no-name receiving core, I really don't know who Trubisky's supposed to be throwing these fantasy long passes to. You know, thank God for Jordan Howard and a solid defense. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna say this: the Bears, the Bears. I would not take them in a box. I would not take them with John Fox. They are not good through the air. I would not take them anywhere. Not at Soldier Field. San Fran has this one sealed. Sam, I do not like the Bears, you see. Not at minus three and a half or just at minus three. I do not like the Chicago Bears. Too many overpaid millionaires. Take the Niners and you will see what Shanahan can do with Jimmy G. Yeah, the the only thing lamer than that rhyme is Niners football. I'm taking the Bears at home. Stop Bears. Stop Bears. How about a bet? What do you think about uh, Loser publicly apologizes for stupidity on next week's episode? Um, that's probably more humane than the, uh, the one I'd come up with where the loser posts an ad on Craigslist for men seeking men. Yeah. I don't need my cell phone lighting up, man. I don't even no. like it when people I know call me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, loser publicly apologizes in the next week's episode. All right. Now we go to the battle of the bays. Tampa Bay comes into Lambeau field to face green Bay. Green Bay is two point favorites at home. And uh, if I had to buy a Packers fan a Christmas gift, Andy, I'd buy them a mirror so they could look into it and see just how much they suck. Ah, uh, yes. 
true sentiments from a Bears fan. Um, this is, yeah. So there's a few things, obviously, going on with this game. Um, it wasn't too long ago where I remember there was a streak where Tampa Bay had never won a game below 40 degrees. Uh, I did check the weather on this one. I think the game time temp is supposed to be 46. So they're safe in that vein. Uh, Jameis Winston is back, but um, you could say Fitzpatrick, the guy from Havid, uh, really uh, really took care of business in, uh, in Winston's absence. Now they go on the road to a hostile environment. Green Bay is on the cusp of actually uh, being a good wild card team. You got Aaron Rodgers, who's healthy enough to come back in three weeks. Uh, I can't remember who they're playing next week, but I think they have the they have the sub five hundred team next week, and a, and then the Cleveland Browns the following week. And if you saw what they did on on the the primetime game against Pittsburgh. I just, I've never said this sentence before in my life, but I felt really bad for Packers fans. That was such a close, close game that they probably should have won. Uh, heartbreaking. I laughed at them. <laughs> I'm sure you did. Yeah. I'm sure you did. But what it did show is that Hunley can, can get the ball down the field, which we hadn't sort of seen to date. Um, I liked them in this spot here at home. Um, I just think, I think they're well positioned, and, and I think that uh, you know Rogers throwing balls on the sidelines probably gives them a little bit of a spark. And um, if they can get to eight and five with Rogers coming back in the mix, uh, I think uh, you know he might tell everyone to R E L A X. Well, I think Packer fans got a better chance of having his wife shave her mustache than them winning this week. How about that? <laughs> I'll note your pick. All right, in the next game, we have the Denver Broncos going into Miami. Miami are one-and-a-half-point dogs. So for Denver, you got Tlaib, who's out under suspension. How the hell are the Broncos favored anywhere on the road? Especially with your Big Ten standout, Trevor Simeon, at the pivot position now this week that Paxton Lynch is injured. Smoke and Jay has cleared concussion protocols, which... You know, the fact that he's playing, playing sort of explains why the Finns are being home dogs. But as of late, their wide receivers seem to be producing. Um, another stat that I want to throw out here is that the Dolphins are, are 7-1 against the spread against their, in their last eight games against the Broncos. Um, Denver, I, I just don't, it doesn't make sense to me. And um, even though, despite the fact that Cutler's playing, I'm still taking the Dolphins at home here. Yeah, Cutler's bad. Uh, he couldn't hit sand if he fell off a camel, but I think Denver is just – their defense isn't what it once was. You're right, Trevor Simeon is um, – well, he's, he's not looking like uh, – everybody at first was like, John Elway is his quarterback genius. He knows what to do. No, no John, I, <laughs> John Elway – has has not done a good job drafting in the last couple of years. No, he has not done a good job drafting in the last couple of years, and they've gone from a, a Super Bowl contender uh, and a team that you know the Peyton Manning, much like uh, much like Aaron Rodgers, is kind of a deodorant stick as well that you can put over some stink and it covers them up, right? Because the guy can mm-hmm. make some plays. Right now, they don't have those playmakers, and uh, I think Miami wins at home <coughs> and covers. 
Well, staying within the uh, sunshine state of Florida, we have Indianapolis playing at Jacksonville, who are nine and a half point favorites. And again, how the hell are Jacksonville nine and a half point favorites against anyone not named the Cleveland Browns? If you okay, so they lost to Arizona last week, which I mean that was kudos to Arizona. They played a great game uh, the weekend before. Uh, they did cover, but. Barely, they didn't even score 20 points against the Browns. And I think their last touchdown was on a, a defensive play that probably shouldn't have happened to begin with. So it's not like Jacksonville is playing uh, lights out, at least not lights out enough to justify a nine and a half point spread. Indianapolis, on the other hand, is keeping games close. They're putting in big efforts and they're covering spreads. Um, right now, um, let me just see. Oh, yes. Last I checked, the Colts have the seventh all-time rushing leader in the history of the NFL. And he's active and in their backfield. And that, of course, is my man from San Francisco, Frank Gore. So The U. The U. From the U. That's right. And his record um, at seventh all-time puts him ahead of Eric Dickerson, Tony Dorsett, and Jim Brown. It's excellent company. Excellent company. Indeed, he is in the twilight of his career, but he has demonstrated over and over again this year that there is still gas in that tank. And if he cracks the 50-yard mark this week, he will actually eclipse Jerome Battis and Ladanian Tomlinson to move to number five on that list. Couple that with the fact that Jacoby Brissett has been exceeding expectations. And yeah, on the other side of the ball, Blake Bortles still sucks. Yeah, way too many points here. Unless Tom Brady uh, was traded, I didn't hear about it, and he's now suiting up for the Jaguars. There's no way they're winning by 10 points. I agree, man. You definitely got to go with the Colts here on the road to cover. Listen, pal, maybe you haven't heard. I'm the guy in old Detroit. Okay, D-Town at the Baltimore Ravens. Ravens, uh, three-point favorites, and they're coming off their 10th straight primetime win, beating the Texans on Monday night. Uh, Detroit probably finished licking their wounds from the Thanksgiving Day thrashing to the Vikings. Um, this provides the Lions with an extra four days of rest and preparation. What say you about this, Andy? Well, let's go back to the Monday night game that you talked about. And I'm being very serious here because, you know, we we, uh, we like to pile on guys like Jake Cutler who, you know, most mostly they, he's just unprepared. He looks disinterested and undisciplined. And for a guy who's making $10 million a year, people will take exception to that. But in the case of Joe Flacco, if you looked at that game closely, there was something not right about him. And I don't mean like, you know, he's getting to Peyton Manning's age and his, his arm strength isn't what it used to be. I mean, there was something mentally not right about him. And the coaching staff knew it. Uh, there was one play in the fourth quarter where they were winning and they were at midfield and it was third and eight. Normally, that's an that's an automatic slant pattern, uh, pick up a first down, but they, they, they called a running play. And earlier in the game, um, I think it was third and two. Again, there was a slant pattern called and it was only for a couple yards and he threw it behind the receiver. Fortunately, the receiver caught it, but there's just something not mentally right with him. And I don't know exactly what it is. I hope for his sake he just writes the ship but um i don't yeah i don't like them in this spot here and you mentioned the extra four days of rest which i think will be huge for detroit so i'm looking uh, i'm looking to to take the points the three points on the road and going with the detroit lions yeah i agree man uh, that that extra four points isn't just about the lions either that or the extra four days part of me 
it's um it's like that across the league any team coming off that extra four days rest is usually really good against the spread um I also think that Detroit could win this game straight up, really. Oh, I do too, absolutely. So I, uh, I'm with you, but I'm going with uh, the Detroit Lions. The Cleveland Browns are heading cross-country to sunny Los Angeles to face the Chargers in their high school football stadium. Uh, I can't believe this isn't under the Friday night lights. Uh, minus 13 and a half, the Chargers are favored at home. Well, you'd hate to see Cleveland on prime time, but um, so last week we took the Browns on auto fade for the fourth straight week. Uh, they did not disappoint, uh, not covering the spread to Cincinnati. Um, the Chargers, obviously, they look great on Thanksgiving, beating the crap out of the Cowboys. Um, you know, this week they're at home, and as you mentioned, that little studio. I'm not sure how many dozens of people it holds, but this will probably be the first. Uh, first game they played there all season, whereby there wasn't more opposing fans than uh, than home fans. So, I don't see. I don't think there's going to be a lot of uh, a lot of Browns jerseys going to be seen in the stands. No, so. LA is too trendy a city. They wouldn't support the losers like that. No, no. If the no, Browns were in LA, they would have folded in like you know. Well, two years after they re-expansionized. <laughs> well, you do remember when they moved to Baltimore yeah, and they did the it in the, the middle of the night. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they're just maybe Cleveland's just going to stay down in the Los Angeles, stay in the stadium while while the Chargers go play in uh, in Las Vegas next next year. So yeah. um, anyway, not going to overthink this one too much. Uh, take the Chargers and the points. It's up to you, New York, New York. All right, the New York Football Giants. All right. In Oakland, in Oakland, uh, nine-point favorites at home. Now, Eli's not starting, so I was originally thinking because they've been their defense has actually been playing half-decent in New York, and they've been keeping teams kind of close. What do you think about this uh, spread, even without Eli? Well, no, we got to talk about Eli first. I mean, what happened to him this week was a travesty. Yeah. That couldn't have been handled any worse. The Mara family knows better. The Mara family knows better. Mara's not taking any responsibility for it, which is nonsense. Ben McAdoo saying it's all his decision. And, um, you know, it was because of Eli that Ben McAdoo has a job there. He vouched for him. Like yep. the Eagles were actually considering hiring McAdoo. Uh, so fortunately for them, they got Doug Peterson instead. <laughs> but so you get, so you get Eli vouching for McAdoo to come in. Now he throws him under the bus, publicly embarrasses him. Ben McAdoo is never going to have a coaching job in the NFL again because no free agent is ever going to want to sign with a team with him as the head coach. Yeah. When you do that to players, they turn on you, and I think that's exactly what we're going to see in this game. Especially an um, established good guy veteran like oh. Eli Manning. who's He's never done anything wrong to the franchise. He shows no, up, he plays. 210 straight starts. Yeah, the guy's Iron Man, and with two Super Bowl rings, like he's the only guy in, in New York ever to do that. Uh, for the Jets or the Giants, so you know why they're why they're doing this to him now. I, I'm not sure. Um, maybe they just want to make sure he's healthy so they can uh, trade him in the off season. Although I think he's just going to go. They have a 15 million dollar bonus if they if they keep him on the roster in the next August. But uh, he's going to end up somewhere that can contend that already has you know a decent defense uh, and or a good running game. Couple places stand out to me, and I obviously Jacksonville. Yeah, definitely um, Jacksonville. 
He's a huge upgrade to Blake Bortles, and he might follow in the footsteps of his older brother and, and end up in Denver. Uh, the families are familiar with each other, and when I mean the families, I mean John Elway and company. Um, that place needs a, needs a proper quarterback, and you know he's in the twilight of his career, so he's only got a couple good years left. And I, you know what, for for his sake, I, I hope he ends up somewhere a lot more positive than uh, than where the New York Giants are at right now. Uh, so that being all, that being said. This is a big line, especially when you see that Michael Crabtree and Amari Cooper are not playing for Oakland. And Oakland has not seemed to have gotten any sort of rhythm or momentum this season. They seem to be playing in a state of disarray constantly. Yeah. So you look at this and I'm like, nine points. Because before the Eli um, announcement was made, this line was at eight points, which made sense based on the way the two teams have been playing. Yeah. But... I remember a story, and I'm, I'm not going to uh, digress too much here, but when I was in high school, I was in the library, and I was looking over a line sheet at, at the lunch hour, because what else do you do when you're a teenager, right? Yeah. So I'm looking at this line sheet, and the, and the librarian comes over, and he goes, what, what are you looking at there? And I was like, oh, shit, he's going to give me the business for you know looking at a gambling sheet inside the school property. And I was like, oh, this is, uh, this is the Vegas lines for my pool this week. And he's like, Come over to my desk. And I was like, oh, Jesus, what's he going to say? So he goes, so you think you're pretty good at picking NFL games, are you? And I was like, oh, yeah, sure. I watch a lot of them on TV. You know, I played the game before. He goes, you think you're better than Vegas? And I'm like, well, I think I can win more times than not. Now, this is back in the 90s when Roxy's put their lines out on Tuesdays. And that was just kind of simply the line for the week. Yep. Um, there wasn't. They didn't move like they do now. No, and so he said to me, he goes, okay, well, let's look at these games. What, what, is, what has occurred with these teams in terms of injuries or weather in the last four days uh, that would give you an edge against the odds makers? And I was like, oh, I never thought about it that way. That makes sense. So you got some new information. So the new information here is that Eli Manning, two-time Super Bowl winning champion, is not playing in this game. The line only moved one point. And I'm thinking, well, that just doesn't make sense. I just, I, I, there's no possible way I could take the Giants in their current state of affairs right now. No. But I was thinking to myself, how high would this line have to be for me to even consider it? And even at nine points, I don't even, you know, I don't even think it's close enough to being high, uh, high enough for me to, to want the, the Giants. I could be totally off base. That team could rally around Geno Smith. Just putting that out there, but I just don't see it happening, and um, I think this is a pretty good spot for for the Raiders to cover a pretty big spread. Yeah, I agree. The Raiders on this one as well, and when it comes to Eli Manning, don't feel too bad. He can always join his brother on TV hawking whatever crap some company will pay him ungodly amounts of money to put his mug on it. Chicken parm, you taste so good. I think the Manning family will be just fine. The next game we have are the L.A. Rams uh, playing in the desert at Arizona, who are seven-point home dogs. The last time these two teams met up was in England uh, several weeks ago, where the Rams absolutely thrashed Arizona 33 to nothing, I think that score was. Yes. Pretty embarrassing loss. Um, Blaine Gabbard has filled in well as a third-string quarterback, and he's garnering a lot of laudatory comments from Bruce Arians. Um, they've been playing pretty well on defense, especially in their secondary. I And 
you, you know, you've got Adrian Peterson in the backfield. I, I, uh, I kind of like this spot for Arizona. I know how well the Rams are playing. Um, and there's, but you know, if you look at whom they beat, and I know that you don't choose your schedule, but you know, they haven't beat any big powerhouses, uh, with the exception of the saints last week, you know, and that was an emotional win too. I just, Arizona is a totally different team at home. I think they've covered five of the last six, uh, in the desert and seven points seems to be a lot for a team that I think is, is going to move the ball well on the ground. So I'm going to take Arizona in this one. Man, I'm reluctant to go against the Rams right now. I think uh, they are in the inception stages of looking like the former greatest show on turf. You know, Jared Goff seems to be a great throwing quarterback. That Wood kid that plays receiver is awesome as well. And then, of course... But he's out, though. Oh, yes, that is true. He is out. I completely forgot about that. But, of course, yeah. Gurley as well at running back. Yeah. Um, it's... And their defense is playing really, really well. Um, I think I'd like them to, uh, if they can do it across the pond, they can do it in Arizona. So I'd have, I, I think I'm going with the Rams on this one. That's where I diverge with you, buddy. Well, here, so here's another point. Um, after this one in Arizona, their next two games are against Philadelphia and Seattle. So, you know, they might be, might be looking ahead a little bit too much. I know this is a division game, but anyway... Um, I, I'm still going to stick with Zona here. Okay, Sunday night football. The Philadelphia Eagles, hotter than a snake's ass in July, heading into Seattle. Seattle five-and-a-half-point underdogs at home. Uh, yeah, the last time Seattle were underdogs at home, give you the date, October 14th, 2012, and that was versus the Patriots. Uh, Russell Wilson is 42 and nine straight up at home. Uh, right now he's accounting for more than 80% of that team's yardage through the air and with his legs. So here, here's a question for you, Matty. If he continues his pace, do you know who record he's going to beat with that stat? Who's that? That would be John Kitna. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Can you imagine that? But, uh, I mean, it, the only way that, uh, the Seahawks are going to be successful finishing off this season and, and hopefully in the playoffs for from their standpoint. Uh, playoffs? Don't talk about it. Playoffs? You kidding me? Playoffs? Uh, they're going to have to be more balanced. They're going to have to spread the ball around a lot more, and they can't rely on him for everything. Like, the guy's playing like Superman. He's, you know, with no offensive line. Uh, he's the leading rusher on the team. Uh, you know, he escapes pressure like, like the wind, I you know, and I don't know how long you can keep that up for, especially. He's an amazing athlete, but football is not an individual sport. It's not an individual sport, and if you look at that front seven for uh, for Philly, which which we've talked about in other other episodes, I mean, they're I think they're the best front seven in the league, and they're just gonna we're gonna tear that offensive line apart. And Russell Wilson, you know, as fast as he is, it's tough to throw a ball on your uh, flat on your back. Yeah, I predict uh, Russell Wilson will spend more time under large black men than a Kardashian this weekend. Don't. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I'm going with you. I think Philly uh, covers the spread. Yeah, and just you know to throw this out, Philly's they've scored over 28 points per game on the road this year, um, and I, I look for that to continue.
Now, all of Andy's rowdy friends are coming over Monday night. They're going to piss off his wife, and they're going to watch Pittsburgh take on the Cincinnati Bungles. The Bungles are at home, and they're five-point underdogs. Yeah, well, much like the Vikings, if the Steelers are going to do anything in the playoffs, it's going to have to be done at Heinz Field. Um, that's the same every year. Tomlin looks at what Belichick's doing. It's like, all right, how can I get eke out one more win? So we And they haven't been able to do that. Yep. Um and they're going to need this win to keep pace with the Patriots. They've obviously have a habit of down or playing down to their competition rather. And you saw that against Green Bay last week, but and Chicago uh, earlier in the season. Hate to say, yeah, that. yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, but they have a pretty good history in primetime games. Five. I don't know. That's it's not a huge spread for Pittsburgh. I know that Seattle. I, I mean, this is don't don't get me wrong. This is Cincinnati Super Bowl. Um, as far as the Bengals are concerned, uh, the Steelers are their biggest rivals within that division. Uh, I doubt they're thinking playoffs, but uh, this is still going to be a pretty good game. So I look for a good effort to come out of Cincinnati, but just from a talent perspective, you know, with, with Le'Veon Bell and and, uh, and Antonio Brown and, you know, the other receiving weapons they have, uh, Jesse James, a tight end. I, I just, I, I think that the Pittsburgh Steelers are a much superior team. So I'm uh, I'm going to lay the points with them on the road yeah i'm laying pittsburgh as well man prime tide pittsburgh they're gonna do it uh the natty uh they're too schizophrenic this year which also is tough for gamblers mind you because you know you don't know which bungles team shows up the one that keeps it tight or the one that just you know lays down on a mattress with their legs open so i'm still gonna go with pittsburgh though Dial up the White House on the White House bat phone here. And as I mentioned before, we don't discuss politics with the president. He doesn't think to do that. He talks politics and talks. When he talks to Maddie and Andy, and all those wise guys, he's talking football. So uh, we thank the president for uh, showing up here. And, uh, you know, Mr. President, Ben McAdoo's taken full responsibility for the benching of Eli Manning. Uh, you would think a decision like this would need approval from a higher up, yet Giants owner John Mara claimed that he had nothing to do with it. Do you believe him? He totally denies it. He says it didn't happen. And, you know, you have to listen to him also. This question is posed to President Obama. Mr. President, you've heard early in our podcast that Maddie and I disagree on the outcome of the 49ers-Bears game. You have proven to be an excellent mediator. Can you please offer some advice for us to come to some sort of resolution on this? I'd like to put all the doubts to rest. I would like to announce to my hometown of Chicago and all of America that I am ready for the Bears to go all the way, baby. And now we go back to uh, President Trump. And Mr. President, uh, Earlier this week, Matt Lauer, yet another powerful man whose career will succumb to sexual harassment or sexual assault transgressions. What would your advice be to powerful men in, in, in big corporations and whatever? How should they treat their female employees? Grab them by the pussy. <laughs> I can do anything.
And now to the commish for some fantasy advice. He's the commissioner of my fantasy football league, all around good guy. And uh, we welcome the commish to Almost Wise Guys. Now, Kamish, I know that you're not a huge DFS guy, but a lot of people are out of the running for the regular leagues and are looking to places like DraftKings and FanDuel for some excitement. If you're going to make a couple of sleeper picks this week, is there anyone that stands out that would have a low percentage of ownership? Well, isn't that an interesting question? I mean, sure, you could go back to Josh McCowan after a big game. Uh, Geno Smith is a minimum-priced option. But if you're looking to pay down this week, Tyrod Taylor feels like the safest bet of the value QBs. He's an eight and a half point home underdog in the game. Also has the highest implied point total on the slate. With the Patriots expected to have a healthy lead, the game script should benefit Taylor with extra passing opportunities and possibly some late game garbage time fantasy production. Now, at a slightly tougher position, uh, you think there's still real value out there at the tight end position? It's getting tougher and tougher each week. As once there was an obvious position to find value at earlier this season, it sorted itself out to be priced appropriately according to talent levels and offensive usage. So, with a little work with the value department, I was checking out some flowcharts, which say you can always play tight ends against the Browns. So, let's talk about the Chargers Hunter Henry. I know before that nice game on Thanksgiving, Henry had struggled this season, but is it really that surprising to see him turn it around? He's a talented player, and this should have been his role all year long. So it's about time Phillip Rivers got him the ball because Henry has the ability to be fantasy viable when properly deployed. This week's matchup and uptick in usage make Henry one of the few cheaper options worth rostering this week. In considering the running back position this late in the season, is it safer to go with proven guys who are late in their career like AP or Frank Gore? Or would you look to have rookies like Joe Mixon, uh, Leonard Fournette, and Alvin Kamara as your, uh, as your running backs? To answer that question, maybe we got to go back at recent history of running backs because as many have said through the ages, those who don't know history are doomed to repeat it. Even if we only look at players from the top three rounds of the last 10 years who were picked as rookies, the average results aren't really stat worthy. The average top three rounds of the draft of running backs only produce 104.4 fantasy points. Now that would have ranked 33rd last season, right between Tim Hightower and Rashad Jennings. What that means is using the rookie running back strategy is a huge gamble, unless you can hit that magic number. If your back hits that number, he's guaranteed to be a top 20 fantasy back. And that number is 222 rushing attempts. So look at where the rookie you're hoping to play as your RB1 currently sits. There have been just 17 rookie backs to run the ball 222 times or more over the past 10 seasons. And using uh, FF Today's default scoring, they average 209.58 fantasy points. That would have ranked ninth last season, making them an RB1, right between Melvin Gordon and Jordan Howard. Even the worst of the 17, Zach Stacy in 2013, produced 159.4 points, which would have placed him at number 19 last season. So how does a rookie get to run the ball 222 times? First, not involved in running back by committee situation. Second, he's smart enough to pick up the offense quickly and reliable enough in blitz pickups that the coach won't be afraid of getting his star quarterback killed. Thirdly, can't be injury prone. To produce at least 222 carries over a 16-game schedule requires at least 14 carries a game. 
So although a few elite performers have come from late round selections, guys like Alfred Morris, Jordan Howard come to mind, the majority of the top rookie seasons have come from the first few rounds. So look at your players accordingly, figure out who you've got, where they sit in their season numbers right now, and that should give you your answer. Mr. Kamesh, you and I are both big 49er fans. In his first start with a team, do you think that Jimmy G will have a big fantasy day? I am. I am a San Francisco 49ers loyalist. They don't make it easy. In fact, it's one of the more challenging franchises to hold close to your heart because they just do some of the dumbest things imaginable. That's a conversation for another day. It looks like we're going to get the beginning of the Garoppolo era as the Bears host the Niners. He came out in relief against the Seahawks, managed to toss a touchdown in his limited debut. It's one thing to come off the bench and sneak in and score at the tail end of a route, and it is another to produce for an entire game against a defense that has had a week preparing for you. In Garoppolo's last significant action of the season last year with the Patriots, however, he completed 68% of his passes with four touchdowns in six games. He's not in New England anymore, but the 49ers rank just below the Eagles in passing yardage, though they are in a tie for NFL worst nine touchdown passes. Bottom line, Garoppolo is a different caliber player than what the 49ers have put onto the field this year to this point. So, yes, he's worth a flyer if you've been scuffling with Eli or worse, Joe Flacco. Thank you to all our fans for listening to episode 13 of Almost Wise Guys. If you like what you heard, make sure you hit the subscribe button on iTunes so you don't miss a show. You can also hit us up on our Facebook fan page for additional content and picks from all all week 13 games across the NFL. Thanks again to the Commish for stopping by for a fantasy chat. Also, President Trump for his insights from the Cosa Nostra Studios. For Andy the Prognosticator Attridge, back at Almost Wise Guys Central, I'm Matty Buller. Get out and pick yourself a winner. Tune in next week at the same bet time on the same bet channel. Sayonara. Drink my-